Walking Through Glass, the podcast, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journey, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best-selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking Through Glass is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. Welcome to the show. We are officially live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. And here I am, your host, Dr. Dina Brown. And today we have Nicole in the place and we are talking about race, class, sisterhood, all of the above pieces thereof. Um, We're just really going to get into it today. And so I want to say thank you, Nicole, for joining me on the show and just say welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Dina, for having me on. I'm excited. I am so honored to be here. And, you know, we were talking a minute ago about how small the world is and how at this point we're probably one degree uh, of separation from each other. And we have so many friends in common. I'm like, we've probably been in the same space (laughs) before and didn't even know it. So I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. I am too. I was so just um, tickled and a little bit surprised when I started saying, okay, who wants to be like, I didn't want to make it a big um, drawn out opportunity. And I put it out there and I just said, if you want to come on and talk like people say, I want to be on the podcast. So I just put it out there to the people in my groups and network and said, Hey, if you want to come on and talk, let's go. Let's talk. Yes. And and when I did it, a little piece was like, are they really going to jump on? And start? and it has really been this great experience. And the fun part is that my first three people that responded were all Nicole's. Really? Yes. <laughs> I was like, Nicole Steinman, Nicole Good. And now we got Nicole Vick. Yes. And if we hadn't rescheduled yours, it would have been three Nicole's back to back. That is so funny. 
Nicole's in the house. So, hey. but, but in all, you know, um, you know, seriousness is that right now, I think that we all are in a unique space. And I say that because whether we're happy, whether we're sad, whether we're in between, whether we're angry, whether we're frustrated, is that I feel like most people that I know, if not all, are one big emotional bubble. They're they're in a bubble. Like I don't, and in a day, I could go through all those emotions in like a two minute time span. And so I wanted to create opportunity for us to talk about where we're at, what's going on in our heads, what are we thinking about, and and what's next. You know, what what's next for us? Now we can't talk about what the world. What is next for us? So I wanted just to open it up and say, well, how are you doing? What's going on with you, Nicole? Well, you know, I think what is happening right now is evidence of this duality that I feel like I have been sitting in for most of my life. This thing where, first and foremost, I'm a black woman. So everything that I live and experience is through that lens, first of all. And then second of all, you know, I'm a public health professional. I have a master's degree in public health. I mean, I'm an educator. I teach public health. And so I also see things through this public health social justice lens. And it can be interesting to understand things from that academic level and understand why things are happening the way that they are right now from that perspective. And then ultimately say, but daggone it, I'm a black woman and this hurts. This is horrible. This is unfair. And I don't know what's going to happen next. So that's that weird sort of line that I walk almost all the time. It's it's a little like, I love what you said, that this duality. And I speak a lot and I start to do research on imposter syndrome and its intersectionality with race, class, and trauma. And there's this space, this unique space as black women. And I'm looking at reframing imposter syndrome, the language around it, as it pertains to black women. Mm. Um. When the research was initially done, we were excluded. <laughs> and any research since, there's been limited, if next to nil, um, opportunity to collect our stories. Hmm. Yet, when I started the show, Walking Through Glass, and again, it's come tell your story, share your truth, and we talk about the glass we walk through our fears, our anxieties, our po- and, and, and what are we doing? What are those solutions as we walk through the glass, I call it. And I started hearing lots of women in general talk about, I feel like an imposter. I suffer from imposter syndrome. And so the research in me was activated again. <laughs> it's been a minute since I did that type of um, research. And I'm talking academic research. And I was researching for the book. And I said, you know what? God said, it's bigger than this. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do a white paper. He said, no, it's bigger than this. Mm -hmm. And as I started going and doing the deep dive, I realized that I need to add to the body of research. (laughs) Right. Um, Officially. And so right now we're in, um, we're preparing for IRB. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no. So when I said it went from, oh, I can go do some to know I'm actually doing my own research-based study. 
in regard to that. And I said, and although my lens that I want to, my big overarching lens is African-American women and other minority ethnic groups, it was what it's going to reveal because everybody has to be inclusive. So we have a baseline. So right. I'm going to be, it's going to be multiple levels. I realize that's going to be my life's work. And yeah. so when you talk about what's happening now, and as I sit in why as black women, we sometimes feel like I'm here, but I'm not. Yep. It touches me. I'm not even in the struggle and the fight for social justice. Am I fighting first? as a black person or as a black woman or as what, you know, like it's right. It's, there's so much intersectionality to this because even the, the spark of George Floyd, there was a Breonna Taylor before George Floyd. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was a Sandra Bland. Yes. Before George Floyd. And so, and I'm, and I'm not setting it up to say, well, we, we, to pull apart and to distract from the bigger picture, but I'm saying individually as a woman, <laughs> as I look at this and we've taken up the arms collectively, globally, right. we still seem to put ourselves behind <laughs> that scene as women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it is hard to, like you said, decide how we're going to show up in that space. Are we women first? Um, are we black first? You know, who whose cause do we stand behind? And I think there's also the other struggle that oftentimes we feel, and I'm, I'm saying we, knowing I can't speak for all black women, of course, but there's this thing of we kind of always put ourselves forward as martyrs um, in the struggle for um, our civil rights and our human rights as Black people. And sometimes we often don't feel like that effort is reciprocated when it's when it's us. So when you talked about Brianna, it's like, well, you know, um, did we get the same amount of support and push um, that we are giving to the situation that is happening right now? So there's a whole bunch of things, like you said, that intersectionality that kind of comes in and makes things a little interesting for us. Um, should we, you know, speak up? Do we sit back? How do we present ourselves in this movement in this particular space? Do we time? insert our voice? It's even yes. how do we insert our voice? And I um and I I'm very cautious, not afraid, but cautious because language and wording and verbiage is so powerful and important. Yes. Um and and so I'm cautious, meaning with myself, that I think first and process it before it starts coming out. So right. I'm gonna, I have to sit there because if I react instead of respond, yeah. then I'm going to have to go back sometimes and rewrite some languaging and some tape. So I thought about, I realized that the fact that I want to speak and address what's happening as a black woman first. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about systems, systemic racism and biases. We're talking about the institution. And if we're going to deal with the institution, we're going to have to take a look at the impact and how the institution as a whole has treated black women, <laughs> yep. not just black males. 
Right. And so I want to speak as a black woman and not just get lost in just being black. So I, and, and I'm, again, when I say just being black, it's because at that point, that's what it is. I don't want you to miss the fact that I'm a black woman in the struggle. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, there's things like African-American infant and maternal mortality that has been an issue and a concern for generations. And it has not been given the correct amount of I'm going to say respect. People haven't been looking at it, I think, in a way um, that they should be. We should not have um, black babies dying at the rates that they're dying in this country. And they have been for generations. Same thing with mothers that are pregnant. They shouldn't be. Black women should not be dying in childbirth at the rate that they are in 2020. Right. Um, So that's an example that you're talking about of that. We're talking about black women. That is one huge example of of an issue that is very concerning and very important to me because again, I work in public health, huge public health issue. Um, and, and, and how do we fix that? How do you fix, um, uh, provider bias and, um, lack of healthcare and things like that, that really have an impact or, or just period structural racism, as you said, that really impacts how, um, women are, are doing through their pregnancies and childbirth in, in this country. It's really, really crazy. I um, recently saw, and, and I think I have a heightened sense of consciousness about our often invisibility because I recently watched the documentary Push Out, the criminalization mm-hmm. of black girls in schools. And because I do work with schools, number one, I'm a former school principal Hmm. and educator over 20 years. And I now work with schools on helping them communicate, collaborate, and create um, conversation and build relationship with their students and, and the community. And there's one of the schools that I worked with, the funding to have me come and do the training was based on some particular funding to address the disparity for black boys in school. And until I saw this documentary, it wasn't like I didn't know, because again, I'm a black woman, I've experienced some of these biases and prejudices, et cetera, and discriminatory practices, but it didn't hit me the same until I saw this documentary. And I highly recommend it to every single person in the entire world, okay? And it's called Push Out the criminalization of black girls in school and how we're treated. And the focus is on black boys. Yes. So much that we're losing our black girls in the same process or our black girls are told because historically you were the backbone and you have to be the backbone and you got that black girl magic. You're going to have to figure it out Yeah. and level up on your own. And so that's why I think this is hitting me a little differently. They say, when you know better, you think better. I think I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Know better, I think better. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm in this for the marathon. I'm not in here for the sprint. And I, and I compare this because right now people are in, um, a fury 
And I likened it to when you're preparing to run a race, whether you do 5Ks, 10Ks, etc. And you have the trainer, people who've been training for months and years, is that they know how to start out. You know, their pace is all set. But you have those eager beavers who is the first one, and it's their first one, and they shoot out in that first set. And they are flying. <laughs> and they lose all their glycogen <laughs> before they hit the one-mile marker. Right. Out of breath. Why? Because they're not trained for that. And so what I'm saying is that me, I've been doing this for 48 years. Yeah. The training, the the placement, the the strategic, the all of that element that needs to be in place for the long game is what I'm looking at. Absolutely. And and that's why I was like, wow, how do I use my voice, my platform, my knowledge for the long game? And that's been sitting with me as well, too, because, and I don't know about you, but I was sharing this the other day. And if you've been following the series and the episodes, you hear me say it. And I say this with full transparency and unapologetically is that I am frustrated because I'm in this creative zenith where I'm in the middle of launch. I got some major projects and now there's a racial unrest and now I'm still being penalized for being black because all of the stuff I'm working on now takes a backseat in my mind. This is, I'm saying before I had to sit in it and go through that emotional piece and like, dang it, you know, why now this has been happening. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we right. got COVID, we got this. I was creating during COVID. And now I'm like, for that moment, and I had to honor the space. That's why I say unapologetically. Do I still feel that way? No, because I've learned how to maneuver and I had to process it differently. But it doesn't mean I didn't feel that. That once again, you can't win for losing for being black. Because right. now, unless you're talking about diversity and inclusion and being what I call, and I've coined the term black spurt. <laughs> then you're, <laughs> you're kind of put back in the box. Right. <sighs> I know I said that. <laughs> I know, that's, that is so much to unpack. Um, and it's interesting because I am noticing that everyone is really rallying behind, um, you know, we support you, you know, as Black people, um, you know, and these these statements on social media that these companies are doing. But someone made a really good point, and I don't know how um, if this resonates with you. Someone said that's nice. Thank you for the you know social media post or the statement of uh, you know that you're you're aligned with our values as Black people. But let me see your board of directors, and 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 let's see how diverse your staff is. And and I think that's where we often get. Um, complacent. So we get we get happy that people acknowledge us, but the real work, which is the which is diversifying, you know, you said diversity inclusion, like are you is your staff diverse? Is is your board diverse? Like we often um still end up on the losing end of a lot of things because we don't push for we don't push for the stuff that really is really important. And I, I think that's the interesting thing. Another thing that you said, um when you talked about the funding for um, the African-American boys in school and as far as it's getting pushed out and, and suspended and such, I think that's another source of, of uh, a really important issue that often is not addressed either. Funding, 
how funding often dictates what we do. And it often falls short because as you said, wait, there's other, there's, we forgot our black girls that are also getting pushed out. But the funding is for black boys. Oh man, now we're, we're have to, we have to do what the grant says, but now we can't really address the whole issue. So how do we work with funders? Hey, can we have a more comprehensive, holistic approach to how you fund the work? So I think those are the things sometimes that I think that we forget about pushing for when we, we have these um, civil rights, human rights, Black Lives Matter um, type of um, fight. You know, we don't get to the to the, the to the meat and the core of a lot of these issues. So I don't know. That was just that those things popped up in my mind as you were talking. I'm like, wow. How do we how do we get on the board? How do we how do we talk to funders and and say? No, I want you to fund the whole thing, not just this one segment of of this issue. There's a bigger issue here and you need to fund this instead. That's true. That uh, If you're when you're listening to this, everybody listening, I want you to pause it, back it up, replay it and and, and sit with that because that is how I'm not looking, and I say this, I'm not looking for change. I'm looking for transformation. And mm. is, yes. Change is just a different way of doing things. So we talked about you um, in your face, and now we're just going to talk about you behind your back. Mm. Transformation <laughs> is a new way of being. I want you to transform your mind. Yes. To think, to say, when we add, not if, when we add diverse people to the table it enriches our organization it sparks innovation and we create something greater because there's a synergy that is unique to the dynamic of this team yep to think that not put someone i put you at the table but i don't let you talk see that's just changing the way i'm doing things right so let's talk about transforming the boards. Let's talk about, and, and not just for token sake. Right. And that part, again, because I came up in an era when we started busing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was bused out of my neighborhood school, which was a good school, you know, and to a school to integrate. And I was bused because I was one of the, I was selected by my teacher. Why? Because I was one of the smarter kids in the school. We're going to talk a little about how we tend. we pull our smart kids out of our neighborhood school yeah. sometimes and play some other places. And that's what they say when we talk about talent of our um, black athletes and putting them in PWIs. So, you know, that's a whole nother episode type of thing. But right. the point is, is that I was always pulled because, and I was told, so we talk about the tape, the things we're hearing. And that's why it's so important the words that are used and that are spoken into you and about you. And either you need to rebuke them, you need to repeat them if they're encouraging and they're uplifting, but you also need to address them if they're doing things to tear you down. And it was, you're not like them, we're going to put you in this school. You're not like them, we're going to put you in this program. Wow. I never questioned the them. And right. so I had to sit in my own bias when this was happening, when the thought came up of the them. Yeah. Baby, that's you, you black. Right. And they talking about you. So you need to go ahead. It's, you know, it doesn't matter 
where you think you've attained or you've arrived or what social economic, how many commas you got going on, you are them too. Absolutely. But I never, until I sat and unpacked, like I said, when everything was happening and I was initially caused to want to judge how people were choosing to respond. And I said, shut your mouth. (laughs) I say that. I talk to myself a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I said, shut it. Me too. And then I begin to say, okay, where's, you know, the rate, where's, and, and you will not speak out whether you understand, whether you have something to say or not, whether you have a thought process or not, you will not speak X, Y, Z into the melee because people listen and they watch. They might not like your post. They might not show or leave a comment or review on your podcast, but they're listening. How do I know? Because I hear them repeat my words. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that because then they're going to say, see, Dina said. Right. So I, I've, I've just been playing around with all of this of where and how I enter, where do I stand? But now I'm at the point of moving forward. Absolutely. That's all we can do. Is move forward. And and the, the funny thing that you said moving forward, the title of the book that I just wrote is called Pushing Through. Ooh. Yeah. You better tell right? us about that book. Come on now. <laughs> so a year ago, I decided that I wanted to write a book. I was 40. And for some reason, 40 felt like a good place to stop and mm-hmm. look back and think about how did I get to where I am? You know, 15 years in public health. Um, 12 years as a adjunct professor, mom, I'm a mother, um, and I'm a community advocate. And so it was like, how did I get to this space in my life? And I felt like, let me, let me write this down and, and really start to think about, um, all the different aspects of my life and how I was able to push through. There have been some situations. I was a teen mom. Um, and my baby was eight weeks early. So I talked about African-American infant mortality. We could have been an African-American infant mortality story. She's 23 now. Um, trying to be pregnant at a predominantly white institution, USC, a school that you walk through and you don't, you don't feel like as a black woman that it's made for you. This school is not for me. This school wasn't built for me. How do I navigate that space? Um, my professional career and the black women that stood up and I stood on their shoulders as they tried to push me forward in my career. Um, all the, the situations with relationships, being that type A super smart girl, but for some reason be picking these crazy, <laughs> these crazies, right? And what that meant. What does that mean when you pick someone like that? What does that mean about you? And how do you get out of that? So I had to do some self-reflection and learn some, relearn some things about myself to get out of that pattern. Well, I talk about all of that um, through the lens of a public health person. You know, I use public health concepts and stuff in my book a lot. I talk a lot about social justice. And I really am so glad this book is done. And I'm already getting good feedback. Someone said to me, your book is like a cultural TED talk Ooh. with no microphone or an audience. Like you are literally, this is a TED talk in the book. And I was like, dang, let me write that down. 
Wow. That, you know, um, and the fact that we do need to write, to share, to inspire, empower, and our words. Yes. Our voice, our unique stories have value. And through it all, the lies that have been told, as I'm sitting here listening to you, and that we're not there. I'm so excited, you know, to share, to, you know, ask where do we get the book? You know, how do we, you know, tap in? And and I I felt like, you know, if I wasn't on this podcast, I would do a little quick praise dance because of the things <laughs> that you're saying. But yet the lies that keep re- being repeated is that we're always trying to tear each other down. Right. Who said what? Who started that rumor and that lie? I, don't I, know. I when I see that and people say that, I correct and say that's a lie. So I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Right. Or we're all competitive. No, we're no. not. Um. Nope. Nope. I believe in an abundance mindset, and so it's when we begin to share our stories and we see that connected and we see that sisterhood, we see that alignment. That's what begins to break that stronghold. And I will say this for those of y'all that are out there doing it, you know, clap, clap to you. But this challenge out there and the nomination and you say, okay, I'm black. I don't tear my sister down. I don't do that. I don't feel like I have to prove my sisterhood, my blackness (laughs) or my love of my sister by posting a picture and tagging her. I rather inbox, send a text, personal, person to person. I don't need to declare that for Facebook. What I would love to see is the people not have to post on Facebook, but to send a message or pick up the phone and call and say, how you doing? And our mutual friend, um, Shelly, Dr. Shelly. Yes. Shelly, my soror and um, my friend. And she sent me a text about a couple days ago. And it just said, it was just such a great text. And it was just like, I'm thinking about you. Just want you to know. you. I mean, it was just that it nearly brought me to tears. Yeah. Because that day was a day for me. I was mentally going through an emotional upheaval. And I saw that. And it was like, I felt like that was my God nod. Yeah. So I'm more apt to engage that way than having to make public statements. And I feel like when we make these public statements that we're trying to talk ourselves into things and prove to some people, and yet we're still asking for validation mm-hmm. when really we should just be excited if someone gives us feedback. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I think for me, I'm the same way. It's really more important to do it to be it than to say it, right? Um, if you are about community and you say you love your community, what are you doing in your community? If you say you love your friends and your sisters, what are you doing? You don't have to say it or, or you know, walk around with it on your, you know, t-shirt or, you know, plastered over social media, but what are you doing? I have a group of friends. We actually have a name. We named ourselves the Fabulous ah. Sister Friends of South LA. 
And these women are all dynamic. They run organizations, they're mothers, um, do great things. And I remember one day I said, I don't know what I want to do with my life right now. I have aspirations to do X, Y, Z, but how do I get there from here? Do you know they came over with a tart paper, food in my house, and we sat and strategized? That's the kind of friends that we need as Black women. We need those kinds of friends that will say, how can we help you collectively get to a point where you know what you want to do? They were the ones when I broke up with the guy, it's in my book, crazy guy. I said, please don't let me be alone for my birthday. They came and we went out. They took me out and took care of me. You know, it's okay, Nicole. So those are the kind of people you need. You don't want friends that you have to... um, you know, prod and beg to kind of spend time with you. You want people that in your life that will lift you up. And in turn, you also are encouraged to also lift them up and also to do better and be a better person. And I think that's something that, you know, like you said, that lie that we don't get, a, that we, we don't get along. I don't know who started that, but they need to, we need to kill that one. Cause that ain't, that ain't the truth at all. That is not the truth. And, and, Hurt people hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And whether you're, I've been hurt by men, I've been hurt by women, I've been hurt by my own child, I've been hurt by my own family. And so instead of labeling, and and even that whole piece, which is, is so powerful now when you see the collectivity of everybody out there, they're marching and they're protesting and there's an overwhelming energy that's there. It really diffutes the whole concept that we're like crabs in a barrel. That's the other one I can't stand. Right. I said, who says that? And when people <laughs> say it to me, I say, stop. Yeah. Who, where did you get that from? Quit repeating that. Right. Because you're putting that into your children. And, and here, and I don't know where it first started, but I can trace its lineage, even in my family line, growing up and hearing my mom say that, or, you know, Family members say that grandparents, you know, and and that's a lie, but that's a divisive lie. Yes. And, and you have to, like I said, think when you know better, you think better. And so you have to kind of sit back and say, you know, that's not that, that's not me in, in the midst of what's happening right now. And there's a role and there's a place for every person. Your role might be to pass out the water on the corner, not to be racing down the middle of the street, not to be carrying the sign. Your role might be, like you said, oh, I'm calling my my boys in the boardroom and we're going to talk that everybody has a place. Not. and, And I think that as we evolve to the best version of ourselves as women and as black women. We have to consider who we are now in this season and determine how we want to connect. Who's in our circle? Who do we need to, uh, what did you say, kick off the island and survive? (laughs) (laughs) Who do we need to keep and who do we need to add? What do we need to build? And it's this whole different, like I said, series of evaluations. But what I have said to every person, black, white, Puerto Rican, Haitian, 
employed, unemployed, CEO, executive, you know, whatever, is that spend some time with you. Yes. Yes. Spend some time with you and get clear about your I am. Yep. And when you're clear about that I am, it allows you to be very confident in where you stand in times of uncertainty and unrest, but also in times of triumph. Absolutely. And now you can be consistent and you can show up consistently. And so I say all of that to say, as you know, we've kind of, I love it because we got to cover everything in in that race, class, and sisterhood, y'all. But I was sitting here and there was so, it's like each little segment we could have unpacked into a whole entire series. Yes. And just having the opportunity to touch on these various elements without feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't say that because she's going to judge me. And just to say, I'm going to say it because that's what I think. That's what I feel. It didn't come from me trying to think of what you're going to think about me. It came from me being confident in my I am. Exactly. Exactly. And so what's next for you? Tell us a little bit, where can we find the book? Where could we find what you're working on next? You know, where are these fabulous sisters hanging out? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. We actually have a Facebook page. I started it. We were trying to figure out a way to kind of um, help other women develop their own sister friends or sister circle. Um, but, you know, we're all busy. So <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, but we're on Facebook. All of us are. Um, feel free to reach out on Facebook. The easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm finding LinkedIn is like the best thing ever. I don't know why I wasn't on LinkedIn before, but now I'm on there all the time. Um, and I do have a web page. It's under construction. Um, Nicole D. Vick. I'm branding everything. First, middle, initial, last name. The book. I'm so proud to say that it was or still is the number one bestseller in its category on Amazon. The Kindle version is available now on Amazon. The name of the book is Pushing Through, Finding the Light in Every Lesson. Um, and what's next for me? I mean, you know, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna sit here on this good, this good county job and do my public health service to the to the county. Los Angeles for another 10 years. (laughs) It is what it is. And I will continue to teach. I think it is so important to teach public health and to get people in love with the concept of public health and um, show up as a Black woman and give that perspective to my students who I have learned, many of them, um, I'm their first Black teacher. So that means I get to show up and show out um, in the best possible way and, and help them understand public health from my perspective and from my uh, my lens, my frame. So um, I think that's pretty much it for me as far as what's going to, I think I have two more books in me. I will say that. You probably got a whole, you got more than two more books. Good plan. Good plan. And now y'all, I just went to LinkedIn and just sent Nicole D. Vick. Um, a request because I, I will be spending more time. I've I've been in this state of flux and I had to give myself permission to kind of tap out and tap in where right. I could fit. And it wasn't about procrastinating or just not or being inconsistent. It was about learning how to consistently love myself 
and know where I needed to kind of shut it down. Yes. Um, that. And y'all, um, she being a little modest because, you know, Miss Seeing Faces and Not Just Numbers, TEDx, <laughs> Nicole, when y'all doing y'all next TEDx and when can I come and be on the stage? Man. I, okay. So that TEDx talk, was that two years ago, I think? That was at Occidental College. That was my first TEDx talk. I was so nervous. Can you imagine having to memorize? Because you don't get no speaker notes. You can't, you ain't can't take no paper up here. You got to memorize your speech. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is crazy. But once again, a sister friend helped me. One of my friends is in Toastmasters and she helped me understand how to memorize and learn how to kind of put the story together so that I knew what to say when I got up there. So, you know, you got to get people in your circle that can help you, honey. Um, you you do yes. that. That's why I said it. When they doing another TEDx and how do I get onto the stage? I don't even, I don't even know because you know everything, you know, the Rona done took everything <laughs> away they from us. Because I, I have I have my TEDx talk I've been preparing. It's ready. I'm just getting, getting need to take it to the stage. Well, you so, know, um, TEDx Crenshaw, I don't know if they're doing theirs. Um, I want to get, I've been applying almost every year and I, not, I'm not ready yet. I guess this is not my time, but that's okay. Um, Ted Crenshaw um, usually does theirs every year and that one's a good one. Okay, um, I need to Please do. And so I put it out there every time I speak, every time on my shows. If you go listen to Walking Through Glass, the podcast, you'll hear me talk about it. So my TED Talk, and I may change the language Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit, but it started out as this working title is who the fuck is they, they uh-huh. is you. Now yes. it's time for you to shut the they up. Yes. And, and, and it's involved into the book I'm working on the, I'm working on two books simultaneously because wow. they, they kind of go together. One was like a chapter almost in, um, uh, walking through glass, the ultimate guide to be saying sex and significant. In a male-dominated world. Mm-hmm. And so one of the chapters is called Shut Up Heffa. Yes. And so Shut Up Heffa is almost like a book in itself. And so people will talk, you know, they'll hear me talk about the Heffa. And mm-hmm. that Heffa is that inner critic, that bully. And she tries to convince you that everything that's ever happened to you has made you a victim. And she tries to protect you. And She's not bad all the time, but just 90% of the time. And so you have to tell her to shut up. Yep. You know, and so when we talk about, I, I love neuroscience and how the brain works. And and what I really began to speak to is that subconscious conversation and that amygdala and that portion of our brain that has been storing things since before birth. And so when you encounter things and and times of uncertainty or times of change and times of, you know, great risk that it'll remind you. Yep. And so, but we have to make the unconscious conscious because I posted the other day and I was unpacking this on another show I was doing. And when I got the download I get downloads, people. And if I shared all my downloads, I would literally be online all day long because I'll get a real powerful download. But I've learned to kind of write them down or just speak them into my voice recorder to unpack it later. But the download was, what if your truth is a lie? Mm. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... 
<laughs> some of us are living a lie and, and, and really do think it is, you know, yeah. our truth. And this came from everything that's happening. And we have white people saying, I don't have white privilege. Uh, I'm not a part of it. Come on I've now. always been told I really do like black people. Mm-hmm. I have two black friends and I have mm-hmm. a dog named Blackie. Right. And I have, you know, I gave to the United Negro College Fund and my CFC giveaway. You know what I mean? Like, and and even for black people to say that I am pro-black, I love who I am, you know, and we sit subconsciously with truths. But even those truths, when you study how the brain works and how we collect and we store data, yeah. is that we can distort because the way we perceive and receive and we create a truth. So we create our truth. Okay. Yeah. But what if what you created is all based on lies? And that's the hard part, right? Because I, I find that even from my public health perspective, when we talk about health behaviors and stuff, when people decide that they have their truth, it, no, no amount of fact or reasoning will sway them from that truth. They will hold on to that truth until the end. They will fight hard for that truth. And and I think that's the scary part. If there is not enough self-reflection, you don't take that time to stop and think, "What what if everything that I thought was real and true isn't? If you never do that, you will never it, you will always be holding on to something that isn't real and i see it all the time i mean something as simple as vaccinations you know and and i know people have their differing opinions but when they're facts and you still say well I, no uh uh-uh, uh no but i'm trying to tell you that this is not true we've seen that where people will hold tightly to their story tightly okay you can't unpry that mm and it's 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 interesting to see. And you're right. I asked my um I was doing a presentation and I was working with a team of executives and um my question to them and I asked this question. Again, those of you who are regular subscribers to the show. And if you're not, you definitely want to subscribe to the show. <laughs> Lots of great episodes <laughs> and great content. But I ask this question and I repeat it constantly because every day there's a new piece of it that unveils. I've known to ask powerful questions that make you dig a little deeper, think a little, little harder. Mm-hmm. So my question to them was, where is the lie in your leadership? And where, what are you willing to sacrifice to know the truth? Wow. Your ego, money, time. Wow. Position. So I ask usually my one-to-one clients, where's the lie in your life? Yeah. And what are you willing to sacrifice to live your truth? Yep. And they're like, ooh, that's hard. And I said, if you have a whole lot of lies, just start with one. Right. <laughs> Pick the easiest one. Start Pick somewhere. The one. Start somewhere. And and I and I say all that to to bring it home. And what has been a great conversation is that in this fight for racial and social justice, 
you're going to have to figure out for you where you fit. But you're going to first have to ask yourself, who am I Absolutely. in this fight? And to do that, you're going to have to unpack some things. And so I serve you this question again to you listening. Where's the lie in your life? And what are you willing to sacrifice to live your truth? That's it. That's all I got for you today. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And um, another big round of applause for our amazing guest, Nicole Vick. And um, please be sure um, you go check out her book. Can you tell us where to find that book one more time, please? It's on Amazon, Pushing Through, Finding the Light in Every Lesson. You, you would be able, It's easy to find. It's the number one book. <laughs> hey, hey, she said number one. You better go grab it today. So again, thank you. Thank you for listening to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. And please not only like and to share, but actually leave a comment and review, preferably on iTunes. Because that changes the rankings and the visibility. And um, I am going for number one in the category, or at least being the top 100. Let's be realistic <laughs> for right now. But but going to for number one, but let's get into the top 100. Um, and um, thank you. Thank you. And we can do that with your help. So please like, share. And if you are interested in um, being a guest, whether you want to talk about race, class, or sisterhood, or you just want to have a conscious conversation, um, please reach out. And to all my allies and friends, thank you and keep pulling up. Bye-bye.